Welcome to Almo's World Podcast. It's great to talk to my friend Olai Mika. He's uh, uh, from Nigeria. My pleasure. And uh, can you introduce yourself? Okay, thank you. Um, my name is Olai Mika Oyebanji. Well, many people find it difficult to say that correctly. And that is because, and that is due to the on English uh, nature origin of my name. So I'm going to say it once again. So if there's someone who is listening to me right now, um, there is Olayimika um, Uyibanji. Okay. So yeah, I am a legal based legal practitioner and um, I have half of my profile probably a domain on Facebook precisely so you could get uh, much of what you want to know about me from Facebook okay so let me uh, say a few things about myself okay so I graduated from uh, the faculty of law of Amadabella University uh, Nigeria I obtained a BL in law uh, from the Lagos campus of the Nigerian law school okay so I am currently practicing uh, law in Ibadan uh, the second largest city in West Africa okay so I I am genuinely interested in estate management okay. that's my focal point of practice. I spend much of my time day um, in the library and when I have uh, some time to, to spend with friends, I, I am always on Facebook. I admin um, a group on Facebook, the philosophy of truth. Okay. Uh, currently, its membership is over thirty-four thousand. Okay, and then I enjoy much of the time that I spend online, and I'm sure it, it, it is through this medium that I met Helmo, and um, it's really has been an amazing uh, journey for me. Yeah, I'm not a Christian. I consider religion to be um, a personal a choice which you, you make personally. So I would rather not uh, talk about religion. I'm, I'm not really giving to it. Oh, wow. Okay. No problem. Then let's talk about philosophy. Um, but what what uh, directed you to studying philosophy and and what is the philosophy of truth? Thank you. Uh, yes, I uh, I always like to tell people that I am genuinely interested in everything. Uh, what that simply means is that I have a, a wide ranging mind, or uh, my mind is wide ranging. I am. And have a reader. I'm, I'm a lover of, of, of knowledge, and that explains why I fell in love with philosophy. Philosophy is the love of wisdom. And okay, 
um, it's um, it is something that you keep uh, uh, learning about. It has no end. It is vast. Okay, so philosophy keeps me uh, motivated always. I enjoy reading philosophy from time to time. Okay, uh, and of course, uh, it's it's just um, another way of saying that I've been beaten by the philosophy book. Yeah. So um. So, so when you hear something like this, you definitely know. Uh, the you you understand the excitement. With, with studying philosophy, okay, it's just um, it it, it look, it's similar to discovering a new continent or discovering something, uh, making a discovery. You know, it comes naturally with an excitement. So oh, I I've always enjoyed reading philosophy, and um, it has become an important part of me. Okay, well I I started the philosophy of truth with Charles Bork. Charles Bork is an American. We, we I made his acquaintance on Facebook, okay, and it was his idea that we should start a group. He named it the Philosophy of Truth. Uh, our group started uh, as Charles Bork's platform for disseminating his philosophical ideas. He was always uh, writing about truth. He, he, he has. Uh, Many uh, write-offs to his credit. So just Bork started his group as a platform for dis dissemination of his own uh, philosophy. Uh, I joined as a member and later got promoted uh, to become an admin of that group. Okay, and now I am now in charge. After Charles Bork announced his intention to his plan to quit philosophy, so the philosophy of truth uh, is somehow uh, misleading to so many people because it, it doesn't really convey um, a clear message. It's it is ambiguous. Okay, when I asked Charles Bork what his intention uh, was, he told me that. The philosophy of truth was unlike any other. Okay, you could you have the philosophy of life, the philosophy of these. You know, in philosophy we have what is called uh, uh, the philosophy of the infrastructure of discipline. You know, when you have uh, the philosophy of uh, religion, it that simply means the philosophy that pertains to religion. When you have the philosophy, the history of philosophy, or the philosophy of history, the philosophy of science, these philosophies are uh, philosophies of the infrastructure of disciplines. Okay, so we could uh, simply say conclusively that philosophy of truth is um, the philosophy of the infrastructure of the uh, of truth. Okay, so we are actually not. Um, saying anything out of the ordinary, okay? It is what you and I or any other person can easily understand. So all we mean by philosophy of truth is not um, difficult can to grasp. Uh, can you hear me? Okay, I can hear you. Yeah, and I want to ask, um, 
would you be uh, in your are you inclined to dualism or pure materialism hello yeah. okay yeah what i if i can you hear me hello mm -hmm. uh, okay you know it's uh well i honestly believe that uh, we are still in pursuit of knowledge there is no hand to knowledge because we will leave it's really not clear whether we have it's there is one universe or uh, more than one okay because we we find ourselves in a situation where we do not uh we were still discovering more and more uh interesting things about the universe it's itself so would it's it's easy to say then that uh there is a world beyond ours so I'm inclined to accept, to believe that we, that the, the, the world beyond uh, the physical world itself, or we see with our own eyes. Well, well, I would not necessarily appeal to uh, authorities. Okay, uh, when I by authorities I uh, are uh, Plato or Socrates. Okay, you know because when you when you when you um, formulate any philosophical idea that appeals to any ethical standard. That, that tends to establish um, a fixed order or standard. You, if unaware, are appealing to authorities. And in that case, uh, you are rehashing Socrates and Plato's uh, uh, idea, I would say, philosophy. Okay, uh, because it was they who first uh, told us about, uh, argued in favor of an ethical standard, that there has to be uh, an absolute standard for the evaluation of morality. Okay, so and now, and now we're living in a postmodern world, and you hear many postmodernists say that there is no such thing as uh, ethical absolutism. Okay, so now it is very much uh, the case. The uh, moralists uh, argue or uh, defend relativism. Okay, so it's sometimes yeah there have been convincing arguments that have been made in defense of ethical related relativism, and you have many of them. Okay, so sometimes it is possible to say that morality is relative, okay, depending on circumstances varying from situations, okay, so well I, to a very large extent, I, I am absolutist in my thinking when it comes to morality, so I think that there needs to be um, an ethical standard, and I'm sure Immanuel Kant was, was actually saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but my, my, the, I think the big question, and my big question for you would be, what are the greatest lessons you have learned of philosophy, or the, uh, from, even just from the books you've read, bro? And what would those be? Okay. Yeah, I... When I came to philosophy uh, through... Atoshipenhoa, 
studism pessimism okay when i first the, the very first lesson that i learned is uh, that life is not fair a life is not fair and then i okay uh, that itself explains why philosophy eventually became um, a subject of intense devotion devotion for me okay swinging from strive to strive okay so there, there are several lessons that I've learned from philosophy but I can only at this moment um, uh, remember few few of them oh okay and okay so when we, when it comes to um, you know you said that there has to be sort of a standard for ethics right yeah I do say see that mm -hmm. and how would you decipher whether uh, whether what is good or wrong if everything is subjective okay yeah you know when we have an ethical standard okay we are not appealing to subject uh, to uh, we have been to a very large extent uh, objective okay you know when we subject things to our own experiences then we will fall eventually into uh, subjectivity okay and of course you you'd find that the uh, moral judgments that have been passed from time to time okay are varied from situations or circumstances okay when it comes to the subject of good or evil okay th there is to a very large extent uh, a standard to which many agree okay so most very many of us believe uh, tend to have the same understanding of good okay or what constitutes uh, being good okay so uh, and now you find that its society itself has to a very large extent used such standard to its own advantage so and now that is why you have you have um, uh, laws of crimes okay uh, that tend to to punish wrongdoers okay so in that instance you have a standard already used by society to to so to say create order okay so of course uh, but you find that uh, in another way when we appeal to our own prejudices biases or um, sentiment then morality becomes relative okay then it becomes objective uh, it, it becomes subjective because then you would say that okay it is moral to to do this in order to um, get this so it means that we then locate morality and the consequences of an action so morality in the subjective experience is not all about uh, rightness or wrongness now it has been limited restricted to consequences so when 
a moral an action is said to be moral when it has a good when it produces an out, outcome okay when it is judged by the consequence it produce produces okay now for example we would say that okay there is a um, more it is morally justifiable to tell a lie in order to save uh, one's life of course we would then agree in another way that telling lies is wrong so in that situation you find that there there is a collision between two things okay you are subjective experience and of course uh, ob objective uh, sense of understanding uh, morality yeah and i guess that, that we can relate the law here right because um we as a society we we uh, even though we have subjective moral values we decide a certain um, law so as so as to keep us uh, uh keep the law and order and you you yourself are a man of the law right and can you tell us about that about, yeah. and your experiences on being a lawyer? Okay, you know, when I was in um, the university, we, we, we took a course uh, in, uh, in, um, in thought, okay? Uh, okay, you see, the, the, there is every law student understands that it's taught to reconcile uh, morality with the law. We believe that it is uh, not possible to separate, okay, to severe the ties between law and morality. Both are, okay, vital in so, uh, social engineering. Okay, so now what that simply means is that they can hardly be any separation between morality and the law. They are not talking in the positivist sense. You know, you have the positivist argument that say that morality should not be made to collide with uh, the law. Morality, okay, is not the law in another way. So, but you find that society has been engineered on, on, on certain standards, okay? So, and these standards are the direct result of what we agree to be moral, okay? So, and you find a situation whereby it is uh, the framers of our constitution, of our laws, the law give us know that morality is such an important tool in the construction of any law. It's, it's, a, it, it's a sort of backbone for the law itself. So you don't have, you can't envisage a situation whereby morality is completely divorced, separated from the law. So when it comes to uh, trying to, of course, society has pro uh, progressed, made significant progress over time. Uh, there used to be a time when, okay, some other legislations in England are morally uh, constructed. And now you have a situation whereby 
now the law the lawmakers no longer consider morality to be the most important factor okay so now you have uh, legislation that do not consider the moral question question uh, the moral implication or uh, consequences okay now it boils down to outcome in England before 19 uh, before 1970 uh, uh, it used to be a prostitution was a, a, a crime it was a criminal offense homosexuality was a criminal offense in England okay so you find that that is not longer the case today okay so then uh, it, uh, it was um, a crime to to be uh, homosexual partners in England in, in those days so now that you have a different uh, situation entirely it's now uh, considered to be an important part of the freedom to, to choose okay okay so now you find that there has been uh, a shift a significant shift okay and what uh, is the moral standard or the moral judgment uh, used by society which society can accommodate wow wow <laughs> awesome and uh, for you like um, w what would be uh, your definition or what your your own specific standard of what is moral other than uh, as you mentioned earlier the uh, ethics and stuff but to you is there something that is truly moral or well, I actually think when it comes to the question of determining what is moral and what is not, I tend to be um, moderate in my uh, in my analysis. Uh, I, I tend to maintain a middle course. And when I say middle course, I mean that I do not. I'm wary of shifting to the extreme. Okay. You know, when you go to the extreme, it means I, I do not consider, I'm not open-minded about uh, another alternative, okay? So I, I do not have the inclination to accept anything as 100% uh, uh, relative and 100% um, uh, objective, okay? So in that case, it means that I maintain a middle course, okay? And you will find that that is such a good thing to do because you have, when it comes to that, I tend to uh, remind myself of the need to uh, know, to realize it. You you not, uh, to, to take an extreme position in a discourse is um, amounts to, um, to, to ignorance, okay? That's, that's not intellectual honesty, integrity. Okay, it's not, it's far away from intellectual integrity. Uh, what I try to do is I maintain a middle course, okay? Sometimes I know, I realize that there are circumstances that can, um, that, that tend to make morality a subjective um, question, to make, that makes it relative, and then there are other circumstances where morality is absolute. The morality is absolute. Okay, you could have a list of them. You know, in, in a tabular tabular form, you could have 
subjective morality, objective morality. And it means we, we are trying to draw a line of distinction between absolutism and relativism. Okay, when you make a list of um, uh, moral uh, questions that, that can be answered relatively, and then you have another list of questions that can be answered through our subjective experience. Okay, so you, 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 what you've done is to, to create a, a line of distinction between both. Okay, so we, we, don't, we have, you know, of course, it is an important part of deontology, okay, where you, uh, where you uh, learn that there are duty as humans, we hold it to ourselves to discharge certain duties, okay, uh, without, without, uh, without considering our own preferences, okay. So, but you, you'd find that there's a lot of confusion sometimes. People are really confused as to what to do in certain, when they find themselves in, uh, let's say, for example, in a situation where they have to choose between two um, uh, alternatives. Okay, so it's not really, it's not, it's not usually easy for anyone to come to a conclusion as to what is moral and as to what is, what is not. Okay, so for example, you, you have um, a list of examples from everyday experience. Uh, for example, when you are asked to choose, would you uh, donate your kidney to, to, for example, to a neighbor or to your own blood brother, okay? Who of these two people, who among these two people is uh, the, the seven? You, you, you have, you, you are going to save someone's life and now you're going to donate your kidney to one of these two people, your brother and then a neighbor. Okay, you know, you find that when you want, what ethical standard do you think is applicable here? If I, if I could ask that question, or what do you actually think is um, the right thing to do? Well, I would look at it uh, also in the utilitarian way because probably the, uh, my neighbor isn't the same genetics as, uh, as me, so be yeah, more absolutely, yeah, official. yeah, it's yeah, exactly. You know, uh, utilitarianism boils down to the consequences of uh, actions, actions that are judged to be moral. Okay, would you rather kill one to save five? or kill five to save one. It's a moral quest, uh, question that we ask every day. So, of course, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, now, it, it, there is um, a tendency to have an utilitarian perspective uh, lens, okay? So, who would say, well, it's perfectly right for me to do so because I have my reason. Because I'm looking at a consequence and not the rightness or the wrongness of my action. Okay, yeah, I, I'm just um, a moderate Muslim. Moderate Muslim. Okay. I do not have, pay allegiance to any of those schools. I, I, I'm a practicing Muslim. But realism, um, when you consider the, the need 
to um, the need to to unless one's spiritual life, okay? Because some, somehow man is a spiritual animal, okay? A spiritual being, okay? Because you, you, of course, you know, it, I actually don't want to go into philosophy now. It's, it's all about um, asking the question of whether we have a soul or not. Okay, but we, we all agree that we have a soul. Uh, the man has, has a soul. Okay, so now we will believe is that soul is the other um, is half of who we have, of what we have. Okay, so in the spiritual sense, so religion as as being the only way for humans to unless their spiritual life. Okay, and then you will find that at the at the um, at the at the root is the question of the existence of God. Okay, so it's it is an equation that is balanced by the existence of God, or the belief in the existence of God. So it's not a, a wrong equation to many people. Okay, believe that okay you have a situation whereby there's a God omnipotent and then uh, he is a creator of the uh, universe and then he created man and okay everything okay uh, and then he he wants us to to worship him okay because most religious agree it is a form of worship okay so worship or devotion to a supernatural being okay in the Abrahamic faith okay uh, you, you're talking about God okay so everyone knows that that spiritual being is God so it's simply um, a way to connect with with that spiritual being that is basically religion for me no, 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 no. Well, I what I try to say is that I, <clears throat> I, I, I'm a moderate Muslim, okay, and I don't think that I, I need to, to hold, or to pay allegiance to any sect to to identify as as Muslim. I don't yeah, have to. I, I never said so, but um, I I was just asking. Defined because... by my my yeah. membership. Okay. And now you, it's of course you would find that the ultimate goal is to live a fulfilled life. Uh, and everybody knows that okay, uh, life has a purpose, and we as humans in the uh, okay um, have a purpose for our existence. Okay, so and now you would find that. We, we are all genuinely interested in knowing what the truth is. And at the end of the day, everyone uh, goes home with his version of truth. Okay, so there has not been anyone who has known uh, the ultimate truth. We have uh, discovered life through our journeys, um, and then we come to a conclusion generally as to what life is uh, ultimately 
uh, uh, truth is 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 uh, usually uh, all about our subjective experience. Okay, so what is true for me may not be true for you. But I think that sometimes we can only discover truth through uh, action. Okay, through through what we do uh, and believe and believe. Okay, so uh, as basically what I think can help us to to discover uh, the truth. But and but we, because you you know you said you admin a Facebook group and called uh, Philosophy of Truth. Uh, what what would that be exactly? What what are you studying in terms of the philosophy of truth? Well, Haley, I I, I said that uh, you that w- sometimes it's um, is it's really not clear what is meant by the philosophy of truth uh, because uh, it's the construction is tends to tell you that philosophy is an infrastructure of truth. You have what is called the philosophies of the infrastructures of discipline. For example, the philosophy of science. Okay, what it simply tells you is that uh, philosophy as a science, as the, as the infrastructure of science. So when you have such construction as the philosophy of truth, what it simply tells you is that philosophy as the infrastructure of truth. So now, uh, basically, we are in pursuit of truth. We, 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 we uh, are not pervious of, of uh, falsehood. So we, our ultimate goal is to spread truth. And then, like I said earlier, we come to the conclusion of what is true, true by way of our subjective experience. Okay, so uh, we're actually not doing anything magical that looks like magic in that group, okay, except that we all are members of a group where uh, our motivation, our reason for, for, for signing up is to search for truth and then uh, like i said it's it's it boils down to our subjective experience yeah i i agree that we all have our subjective experiences but i i i i seem to have a presupposition that there is an objective truth out there that we have to explore right and do you agree with that and that is what i may describe as the ultimate truth do you agree with that Okay, oh, yes, I completely agree with you. Okay, because when you uh, consider the fact that uh, sometimes there are situations where we all agree as to what is true, okay? So, uh, okay, of course, it's, it's usually possible, it's sometimes possible to to have that uh, conclusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, bro, uh, one last question because I think that um, it's been great talking to you, and we're almost uh, o- over an hour now. Uh, my question would be, 
you being a lawyer and all of this and very interested in philosophy and that you seem to be very, very smart because you've re- read a lot of books. Uh, what advice would you give to uh, someone who who's also uh, interested in philosophy and becoming a lawyer? Okay, you know, uh, uh, in those days, it was not uh, advisable to study law without uh, being grounded in philosophy or studying philosophy without, because you find that philosophy uh, somehow is uh, re- related to law, okay? Because you, you'd find that this, this is the discipline that allows you to exercise the critical faculty. One of those um, criteria for becoming lawyer is to have an analytical skill. And then philosophy helps you to develop the, 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 the skills of synthesis and analysis. So these are tools that are important for um, a philosopher. So you would have, you, you must be able to um, know how to exercise the critical faculty. And what that simply means is that you must know how to think clearly and how to speak clearly and how to uh, resolve issues, come to logical and convincing conclusions. Okay, this is one of the, one of the um, advantages of, of studying philosophy. Okay, so you you would find that it's not it is not in out of the ordinary when a lawyer is genuinely interested in philosophy, because uh, both have uh, yield a great result. It it refines your mind and it helps you to to uh, okay uh, cultivate. Uh, it, it helps you to become sophisticated. So basically, my advice is that whoever studying philosophy should be should be seen as a as an addition to to the pursuit of the knowledge of law. It greatly contributes to to. And uh, bro, it, I, it's been awesome talking to you. And you know, I just love listening to people from different world, uh, uh, parts of the world. And your story is really awesome. And what you what you believe it's it's one of a kind actually. Hmm. Nice, nice, it's it's been nice to talking to you, man. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, is there a way? Do you rec- record this podcast? So that's the end of it. Thanks for tuning in, guys. This is your host Elmo Ador Jr. And thank you for listening in. And please subscribe. Please follow us on Facebook. Please, please follow this. Please. Thanks.